Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. As you know, this is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Uh, again, we want to let our viewers know that in addition to our YouTube channel, The Edric Show is now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a host of other online streaming platforms. So wherever you find your favorite podcasts, search for The Edric Show. Please hit that subscribe button as we continue to grow this thing from the ground up. Today, I want to welcome back a friend of the show, Dr. Gail Myers. Dr. Myers is a cultural anthropologist and the co-founder of Farms to Grow Incorporated based in Oakland, California. She's been advocating for African-American farmers for more than 20 years, and she's here to discuss her upcoming film, Rhythms of the Land, a multimedia documentary film. Rhythms of the Land is a valentine to the generations of Black farmers in the United States from enslavement period to the present, whose intense love of the land and dedication to community enabled them to survive against overwhelming odds. Dr. Myers, always a pleasure. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Edric. Thank you for welcoming me back. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Um, so you're on the cusp. You're about to share this remarkable story with the entire yes. world. How yes. are you feeling about the film? And uh, are you excited to finally be able to release it? Yes, I am so excited. We have a wonderful post-production team of about 15 people that have been with us on this uh, post-production journey for a little over a year and a half. So we have all these committed individuals. We've got a great content. Uh, we have a great uh, engineering and original score, music score team. And so we've been able to uh, extract from these interviews that I conducted in 2012, a really nice hour-long product that really shares the remarkable uh, victories that Black farming families had to endure. And I interviewed families in 10 Southern states. So these are families that are in, in the south Southeastern part of the country. But I also uh, would suggest that these are similar stories uh, to farmers, black farmers that uh, were farming uh, in other areas, other regions. And also what they're dealing with now are also the same as what farmers in the South uh, are contending with, the same thing that farmers in California and the farmers in New York. So it is a, a story set in the South, but just know that the situations and circumstances really are applicable to um, black farming families throughout the country. And, and you've alluded to it. And uh, I know we've, we've had this conversation before, but I think it's so important that you share with our, our viewers just why the story is so important to the history of this nation. You know, uh, it's really unfortunate that the contributions of uh, black leaders and black community members and black farmers have been overlooked. So this is a story that is well overdue. There's no footprint for these stories that talk about uh, sharecroppers and the experience that they had to endure six and seven and eight, nine-year-old children uh, in on the cotton field, chopping and picking cotton and dropping down tobacco seeds. We never knew that these stories existed. So we need to know the full scope of these experiences that black farming families had to endure. And even more than that, what they were able to utilize from their environment to not only survive, but thrive. 
So we need to know the essence of the survival strategies, what they were like. And this story reveals that. So that's why this story is important. It's just the beginning of other stories that I hope that will inspire um, other filmmakers, other anthropologists, geographers, are just plain folk that want to capture their farmer family stories. And these stories really are about memories, the memories that our elders have kept, the memories that they uh, that were fun, uh, fun memories that they share, and memories that really um, speak to the um, uh, the uniqueness of the Black experience and our ability to just traverse all kinds of odds. But here we have the voices. We have the narratives from a woman who's 109 years old, uh, my great aunt, who at the time was 98 and a half, almost 99, who lived to be 104. So these are very important narratives for our uh, American, our African-American agrarian history. So this, yes, it's an American story, but I will say that I'm, my audience is really uh, an audience of African-American viewers. I want so much to show us what we did, how we overcame, and the beauty in their faces, um, and the beauty in the land, the food. Mm. There are a lot of uh, discussions around the food that we ate. So these are important stories for our um, ability to be, to have a sense of fortitude in our community environment right now today. You've, you've mentioned um, the ages of some of the, the subjects and the people you've talked to, uh, to, to, to put this film together. Um, how does it feel to have earned their trust and permission uh, to help preserve their legacy? Wow. Wow, Edric. Um, it, the whole experience for me was an honor. You know, I feel that in some ways, in many ways, I, I was somehow chosen uh, to to take this journey, to step out and collect these stories and to be able to sit at their feet uh, with my camera and, uh, and ask them questions and the joy in which they were able to respond. And I think what's so, um, you know, it, it, nece it wasn't necessarily a hard sell. Um, many of the people, well, most of the people that I, interview knew someone that introduced me to them. Mm -hmm. So there was an informal, um, you know, uh, family member or, or a neighbor or, or another farmer. Um, but I think more than anything, these farmers and some were basket, a basket weaver, sharecropper, they were waiting for someone to hear them. They were waiting for someone to tell this story to about a woman um, who tells a story of growing up in Mississippi and picking, they were sharecroppers picking cotton and their uh, mother would put their school clothes in the cotton sacks. Hmm. And when they get in the cotton field, they would change out of their work clothes into their school clothes and run to school only to be met after they sit down for about five minutes, the principal or someone was coming in to get them with their father because they could not go to school. Hmm. And so it just shows um, you know, that th that particular story needed to be told. I was there at the right time, you know, uh, with a willing heart and, and a listening ear.
But imagine if we hadn't captured this story. I mean, who knew that those um, circumstances were there that these children had to deal with? Uh, one farmer says he was picking cotton as soon as he can walk. You know, we don't we don't know that part of our of our tenacity. We don't know that. I mean, that's recent. That's been within the last 50 years, you know, and to know that we have that in us um, and people who end up, you know, starting out at six and seven, end up in their 70s and 80s with a continued beautiful heart and continued uh, understanding of their role in community. You know, that's who we are. And um, we've gotten away from that. Just as we were talking just recently about the attention spans, we've gotten away from so much that grounds us in our community, in our family, uh, in our place and time right now, historically. <laughs> so it's it's an important lesson to hear how people during the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s uh, and everybody, you know, it, it, I hope it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but I, it probably is common knowledge, you know, the violence and the, um, the lack of access to American privileges that Black folks had to endure. Um, I mean, we just got the vote in the 60s, the Civil Rights Act of um, the 1963 got us the right to vote. So we're very new as far as entering to the full scope of um you know, to come into the house of the American dream and be able to sit down in the kitchen and the living room wherever we want to and not come from the back door. But 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 people don't understand what we did to get through that, hmm. how we didn't have to starve. There were no EBT opportunities. Mm -hmm. There was no, uh, you know, unemployment. People supported each other. People grew food and fed each other. People shared money. They had mutual aid societies. Everybody took care of each other. And so that's why we're here today, standing and sitting and doing all the things that we're doing um, in our communities as Black folk because of people like the folks that I interviewed in this uh, documentary. Um, and I should have mentioned at the top, uh, we've been doing a series on The Edric Show with uh, filmmakers and talking about filmmaking and the craft of filmmaking. And so it's fitting that um, you're on uh, this show now talking about films and the filmmaking. So let me ask you uh, this question, um, mm -hmm. going into it as an anthrop anthrop cultural anthropologist and how does it feel now? And, and what have you learned about the filmmaking process and, and what's been your experience with that now that the film is ready for release? Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. I hadn't thought much about that, but I tell you what, I probably should have got a degree in film and, <laughs> and or co-majored in film and anthropology. There's so many nuances of film. Um, first of all, I went into the field in 2012 uh, with, so this is 2012. Now, 10 years later, you can imagine the technology Absolutely. on camera. I was uh, in the field when it was more of a, um, what is it, the Android, not the pre-digital. Mm -hmm. um, and so my camera technology certainly was outdated. So I learned, you know, um, you know, anticipate, you know, the most uh, uh, modern equipment. Uh, so I don't know if I could have anticipated that 10 years ago. But I learned a lot about the nuances of the technique of making a film. Uh, many of those 
things that I've learned I wish I knew before. So, you know, looking back, you know, I say if I would do the film over, I'd do it a different way. But I learned that if you have the faith, they almost say, of a mustard seed, mm -hmm. <laughs> you too can make a film, you know? Um, I just wanted people to see these farmers. I wanted, uh, you know, my nieces and my nephews to hear these stories, you know? Um, I wanted to honor my mother and my great aunts who were sharecroppers and tenants. You know, I wanted them to see themselves and what other people said about what they endured. And so it was really important that I just go capture the stories. Um, but, you know, looking back and the ways in which now we want to um, share this story with the world, we really want to get a large platform. We, you know, we're interested in getting it into the big film festivals. Um, and so, you know, not really sure if technically it will um, go that far. So there were some things that I would have done differently. But, um, you know, as I said, to to have the desire and the undying belief that this was worthy to be recorded and now worthy to be displayed and shown worldwide, I think is the essence of, you know, you know, this work. But yeah, you know, needed, uh, I, you know, and actually the next time I would go out, I would not be the camera person. I would not be the audio person, <laughs> you know, so I was the director of photography. I was, I was the audio person, you know, I was the one and only it. Um, and then I would have gotten a team, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I tell you, I really learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot. I'm very thankful for all the folks that um, have taken time to share lessons with me and and things like that. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Farms to Grow and all of the interesting things you guys are doing in the city of Oakland. So tell mm. us about that organization and um, what are some of the goals of Farms to Grow? Wow. Well, Farms to Grow really was the extension of my Ph.D. research uh, in the 90s at The Ohio State University. And part of that work is I um, sponsored a farmer's conference in Ohio, Black Farmers Conference, statewide conference. It was wonderfully received and attended. And so during the course of that, I met uh, many other people, more farmers. And um, I ended up meeting a guy, a farmer named Gordon Reed. I think I met Gordon maybe in uh, 2000 or 99. So Gordon and I continued to have a conversation. Eventually I graduated and moved to California and started working with black farmers. And I was shocked and disappointed to find out as I began to interview some black farmers in California, that they were dealing with the same thing, uh, issues around lack of access to funding and lack of access to support from USDA agencies. Um, the same thing I heard from farmers in Ohio, Mississippi, Georgia, I mean, you know, you name a state. But I was surprised that farmers in California, you know, you think of, you know, the most progressive state, at least in, in my mind. So I was shocked. <laughs> and so when I got here and found that out, I said, this cannot go on. What can I do? So, you know, I was having a conversation with Gordon about the, a recent interview. And he said, well, what are we going to do? So I started doing research um, on how to form a nonprofit, uh, contacted some board members and we started Farms to Grow in 2004 just to 
stand in the gap. At that point, we just knew that we wanted to support and advocate for Black farmers. But over the course of the last uh, 18 years, what we've done is we've started a farmer's market in 2012, the Freedom Farmer's Market. It is the only um, African-American farmer's market in California. There used to be one in Crenshaw, in the Crenshaw area down in LA back in the 2005 and six. Because I my first foray into farmer's market management was in 2005. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to find all the black farmer's market folk all over the country, you know, especially California. Um, so we we provide a place for not only black farmers, but the black uh, food story, black food ways. We just had a uh, watermelon eating contest. So our work is about advocating and uplifting the visibility of black farmers. We have a farmer development program where we work personally, directly one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, with uh, technical assistance uh, to Black farmers in California and throughout the country, but most of our work is in California. Um, of course, the, the documentary, we have a community-supported agriculture. Uh, twice a month, we have food boxes, and we have communities from as far as Marin City that will come and pick up or we'll deliver so we're able to get the produce of Black farmers out to um, the larger Oakland community and the larger, you know, Bay Area. And so our work at Farms to Grow is really about Black farmers. We also work with um, Native American First Nations farmers that are interested in some aspect of our technical assistance. We've taught um, Native American farmers in Oakland um, how to set up at farmers markets. And so we are really about those farmers that are underrepresented, mm. don't have the tools that they need to succeed. What's so important about keeping Black farmers, small farmers, Native American farmers on the land, as we're looking at climate, the climate chaos, is that these are the farmers who are more traditional in their practices. They're more likely to uh, maybe not be organic, but be natural, meaning they're not using pesticides. Uh, they're more likely to practice an agriculture that is based on a sense of cultural identity. And so preserving seeds and taking care of the soil and the fair treatment of animals is part of the whole stewardship. And so these are the kind of farmers and um, uh, growers that you want to be on the land. And so we we are doing our part to make sure Black farmers and other underrepresented farmers have a place to grow their food. We want to make sure that um, the, the name of the organization Farms to Grow is really what we represent. We want to help grow farms. Well, Dr. Mars, again, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, this is such great work that you've, you're doing and continue to do. So yes. um, if people want to get more access to the film or more information about your organization, we'll put something in the YouTube uh, description. We'll put some links there. But okay. um, when will the film, when will people be able to see the film? And uh, how will they be able to, to check it out? People will be able to see the film in September. The first screening is going to be, and these are all private screenings, uh, will be at Tomcat Ranch in Pescadero, is, which is part of the Bryant Terry's Black Food Summit. Mm. It's a two-day summit. Friday, I'm actually doing a, a keynote address on Friday. And then Saturday, all-day activities at the farm, and we'll show the film. We're also having a virtual screening and we are having a screening at uh, 
one of the Warriors venues in San Francisco. The best way to be in touch is to stay uh, connected to rhythmsoftheland.com. There is a way that you can sign up to be on our mailing list. Make sure you put the S on rhythms, rhythmsoftheland.com. It will um, have a list of the screenings and uh, any updates. We also have a really incredible presence on Instagram and um, uh, Facebook. We have our amazing social media team that I just, I, you know, I can't say enough about that uh, have been instrumental in um, uh, getting content to these various uh, social media portals to tell the story. So you'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, I, we might, yes, Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to say TikTok. I'm, I, we might actually be on TikTok. I, I, they're doing so many wonderful things I can't keep up. But yeah, you'll find us out there. Well, again, it's it's always an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, congratulations again on this remarkable uh, and necessary work that you've been doing all these years. It is a testament to your dedication to ensuring that the story gets told and not only told, but told by us, which I think is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you again, Edric, for your invitation and wonderful show. Thank you. This has been the Edric Show. I'm the, your host, Edric Jerome. I guess it's been Dr. Gail Myers. Rhythms of the Land, the film that will, that's documenting the importance and the historical nature of Black farmers will be available soon. As she mentioned, uh, you can check her out on social media. We'll put links everywhere so people can get a hold of her and get on the list. So you can definitely get uh, information about this truly, truly remarkable historical film. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, we are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. So please hit the subscribe button. Help us grow this thing from the ground up so we can continue to bring intelligent conversation with interesting people. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode.